1: Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't miss offer for week one. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limited time offer now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, one 800 9 My name is Ryan Stacey and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide, with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, you can visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Denny Fujar, scout with the Los Angeles Kings. Finishing his time in the game, Denis shares a lot of great insight in this interview and specifically ties in his unique tenure with the Kings organization. With that, here's Denny Fujar, scout with the Los Angeles Kings. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Denny Fujar, scout with the Los Angeles Kings. Denny, thanks for joining the podcast.
0: Thank you, no problem.
1: Yeah, it is great to have you on. Um, as people know, we always like to get different levels and people with different experiences. And, uh, you know, an NHL scout for, for a number of years with the Kings organization. I think there's a, a lot of great things to unpack here. And um, while you've had a long tenure with the team, it's nice that we can kind of go into some different things as opposed to just different stops in your career. So uh, first and foremost, let's just learn more about you and maybe share uh, some insight on your personal life, including your upbringing. Uh, playing sports in your early years and different things that uh, can immerse the listeners uh, with your background a little more.
0: Uh, okay. Uh, If I go back with hockey, for example, uh, I was not necessarily the most talented player with a very bad temper. So it was not a good combination. Uh, I got suspended being suspended, uh, uh, because I ran after someone, uh, the discipline committee, uh, offered me to get back into the game as long as I was to referee for one year. Uh, So that's how it started. I became a referee, so I quit playing, went to refereeing uh, at different level, uh, did a couple of games back in the old days of the Quebec Junior Major Hockey League. Uh, Not big enough uh, to to deal with those strong guys because uh, back in the early 70s, you had uh, quite a bit, fighting in the games. So I was offered to go code into the coaching uh, in a hockey school, uh, mostly on the skating side. So that's where I went. And from there, I became involved in coaching at uh, the Novus and Atom for a while. Moved in to the midget uh, because my son was playing hockey. I didn't want to interfere with him as a player. So from the midget, uh, moved on to, uh, I was offered to go work in uh, Europe. I was offered to go work into a junior AAA team. All declined uh, because of family reason. Uh, so from the coaching, I went to scouting because uh, the guy I was coaching with was a scout with Showney Antetrax in uh, the queue. So I learned the rope of scouting from there. And went to work in Ontario for a few years, coached a Bantam AAA team uh, where I had a couple of players, uh, one played in the NHL. Uh, from there, I came back to Quebec and went back into scouting, which again, uh, went back into coaching for one year. No, no, I was, it was, I was done as a coach. It was, uh, the reason is I'm the old school type of guy. So the generation were becoming tougher to deal with. So I said, no, it's not for me to go back into coaching. So I stayed in scouting with Shawinigan. From Shawinigan, moved on to rouen Naranda as head scout. Uh, From Rouen, moved to uh, uh, Drummondville as head scout. When the GM was fired, uh, we appointed uh, the coach as the GM but they appointed me as the assistant GM and Ed scout. And from there, I moved on to LA Kings five years after uh, to become a a scout. Uh, Did some uh, scouting out west, uh, Ontario and the queue until I was sick. Uh, When I became sick in 2015, when I came back, uh, we limited my uh, scouting to mostly province of Quebec and Maritimes, and the close team in Ontario, like Kingston, Belleville, they were close enough within three hours. So these were teams that I went for. Uh, then, for all type of health uh, reason, my type my load uh, kind of diminish, and this year I decided to retire.
1: <laughs> yeah no, honestly I kind of went through your resume and looked up the information on the different stops and um you know, very impressive and then again, to be with an organization uh, at the h l level for, for so long in a, in a scouting position uh, as anybody knows, is not easy and um and then, like you said for health reasons and things like that, it can get tough as well, especially with the amount of travel associated with the scouting role, but you're able to keep doing it and Uh, Maybe let's go right into um, your time in Drummondville just before you joined the LA Kings, uh, you know, assistant general manager and dealing with the scouting and things like that, uh, especially with the head coach being that general manager uh, title in their position as well. Uh, Just talk about that opportunity and then what you learned uh, in that role just before moving into the NHL.
0: What I learned out of that role is uh, especially when the G, the coach and the GM are the same and when the same person it's kind of hard for them to challenge uh, themselves uh, they, and they have no how I can say that uh, place where they can ventilate their own pressure <laughs> they can talk to their assistant for many things they can talk to anybody so I was also uh, the, the the vent venting source for my coach uh, was Dominic Ricard, who was a very good coach, was a good GM. But at times, like everybody, uh, emotions were probably taking over. And that's why we needed to talk with someone and have a good ears. And that's where I was. And my other learning part was uh, to deal with all the trades being involved directly because as a head scout, you're not necessarily negotiating with other teams and the league for the trade. So these are things that I learned. Uh, and I also got involved with Team Quebec at that time for the uh, World Junior, uh, not World Junior, but the World uh, Under 18 Championship. So I was involved in that. That's how I learned more of the administration side of the hockey team and the contracts, uh, the number of player on your list and all that and that. So it was very interesting. Uh, And I believe that role combined to my role with Team Quebec uh, for the under 17 kind of helped me get invited to send my resume to the Kings uh, for a role as a scout. Uh, I don't think that if I had been not been involved into team management per se and uh, it, being involved with Team Quebec, uh, I'm not sure if I would have been invited to apply for the job. Uh, I would have had to send personally my resume and like many other people who did, never get any answer uh, from any GM because they have other things to look at. <laughs>
1: definitely, definitely, and, and you know it, it's such a unique opportunity to um, definitely be asked to, to submit your resume for an NHL team, and uh, you know you had a number of years in the in the QMJHL, and like you said, there was other offers from different leagues in Europe and and different organizations. But um, I, I'm sure, like many people, when you hear the NHL opportunity uh, come to your door, it's something you you definitely entertain and. Uh, maybe just walk us through that process of, of first hearing from the Kings and then kind of the the process of joining that organization.
0: Okay, I will always remember the date. We're July twelfth. I'm on my boat, and I receive a call from uh, the the uh, scouting director, Michael Futa. Uh, I said that they don't have my resume. They want it now. Uh, okay, now on my boat. Uh, It's not that huge of a boat, so I don't have all that access to internet and all that. So uh, we docked and went to a a, a coffee, asked if I could use internet. They said no. I said, okay. So I went to a real estate firm, asked them if I could use their computer. (laughs) And uh, from there, they had someone looking over me. To make sure that i was getting my resume out of the cloud because i was uh, early uh, with cloud uh, and got my resume sent it they called me uh, two hours after to book an interview in toronto they were taking care of everything so they flew me a couple of days after in toronto i had an interview with them uh it lasted about an hour uh, and like I always said, I may mean, not be the best scout on earth, however, I'm probably the the hardest worker on, on earth. <laughs> so uh, after the interview, they said, okay, uh, you're going to hear from us by Friday, positively or negatively, but you're going to hear from us. I come back to from Toronto, land in Montreal, I have a message telling me to call them back. So what's wrong? (laughs) They talked about Friday, we're in the same day. They're asking me my age. Uh, And I called them back, they're in a meeting, and I know they're in a meeting with another interview because they were making five interviews. So uh, instead of telling them how, uh, how old I was, I told them how young I was. I was 53 years young instead of 53 years old, so that kind of stayed there. And the Friday, the following Friday, they called me back and they said, um, "The other co-director wants to meet with you next week. We're not doing that with everybody. If you understand what we I say." So I kind of said, "Okay, I have the job, but they don't want to tell me I have the job." <laughs> And I met the other co-director, Mark Yannity. On the Tuesday, he flew from Boston to Montreal. We talked about six hours, Uh, but after an hour and a half, I said, okay, Mark, stop it there, Uh, what's happening? And he said, Denis, you have the job, uh, but we wanted to make sure that we, you and I could work together. So uh, that's how it happened. And uh, they told me that the GM was to call in get in touch with me Uh, a couple of days after the free agency uh, because he was quite involved with uh, free agency at that time. So we said, okay, no problem. So July 30th, they called me, they made me an offer. I talked with other people around the NHL asking for basic income for a rookie at that level and all the, the other things, and I had, we had agreed that if they were offering me a certain amount of money, I was accepting the, the, the job. My wife, <laughs> we talked, and when I looked at her, and I said, she said, fine, it's your decision, because I was working in an environment where I was very happy, uh, and the hockey was a good side, on top of that, but they wanted someone permanent. So they offered me a contract of two years with their with an option for them, which became a three year. So that's how it started. Well looked at, yes,
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's so interesting just how those opportunities come about, and um, it, from other people that have talked about that process on the podcast, it always seems like it's you are never sitting home at your computer. You are on a boat, you are at a, a cottage, or um, you know somewhere where you have no internet access. And you don't hear for a couple of days that they they want an interview, so. Um, it, it's funny how that works, out, but uh, now you're with the yeah. LA Kings and and you've gone through the interview process. Uh, maybe just walk us through the tenure with the team and then um, maybe even touch on the, the opportunity to win uh, two Stanley
0: Cups. Okay, well, uh, it went from they were taking my opinion uh, on a player regardless if it was on the same direction of them or not. I'm not a yes man. Uh, I have my own opinion, and I'm not afraid of saying, okay, here's what I think, and here's what it is. That's my opinion. It doesn't mean I'm right. It doesn't mean I'm wrong. This is what I see. This is what I understand. So uh, they lived quite well with my opinion, Uh, even though the first year was tough because having been in a management role where I was taking decision, as a scout, you're not the one making the decision. So, Okay. How do you deal with that? And I remember the final meeting my first year. Oh boys, my GM looked at me, said, and sent me the hook. Said, "No, that's not how you deal with the situation. I'm the boss. You're not the boss anymore." <laughs> so I had to adjust, and the adjustment was very good. Uh, things were done in a way that, for me, the major junior team. I was co-managing. We, I believe, we had the right way of doing things. Uh, the the biggest difference was probably the dollars. At the NHL, it's almost limitless <laughs> compared to a junior team. So, uh, I was first night I stayed into a quality inn. <laughs> I'm called and I'm saying, no, nah, no, nah, that's not where you're going to stay. You're going to stay at the Marriott. <laughs> okay, we're not in the same type of hotels, <laughs> but that's okay. So it was fun. And that's how I got involved. Did I receive specific training? No. Uh, the happiest thing today is when they are a new scout, they are giving him some training uh, on the different tools, on the different way of looking at things, and, uh, more more challenging question compared to when i got in uh was that good was that bad i adapted they adapted also on the new way of doing things because back in 2007 we were not doing many videos uh today we're doing a lot more video with the job uh live viewing is very important But video is very, very, very important. Interviews are very, very important. So there's a lot of things that need to be done. And not only, uh, how I can say that, once, but you interview someone, you verify the interview, and you come back with other questions that you're verifying what they're saying, if it's the same thing and constant. So that's what it is yeah no i always go ahead what it did what it did is it led us uh the team to win a first cup because the gm whose main job is to lead the entire team he he leads the scouting the amateur scouting he leads the pro scouting he leads uh, the making of his team and he's the builder of everything so Dean Lombardi felt that he had to make couple of t- trades to get the right player to help us win cups and that's what he did uh, you have to pay a price for that he paid price uh, did it impact the team on the long run yes but that's part of the game in 2012 we won a cup In 2013, we went into uh, the semifinal or the conference final. We got beat by uh, Chicago, won the cup. And in 2014, we won another cup. So it means that the trades that were done were good trades. However, maybe some price was a little too heavy for the long run, but still... It's two cops. They were those two first cups for the Kings. So he did a good job and our Scouting Department did a good job. But you have another department that is called the Development Department. They also did a good job to get those to person into the mode of the Kings. So it was interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and it definitely is. And Uh, You talk about fitting into the mold of the Kings, you know, L.A., uh, especially during those cup years and for for a long time now, have kind of had a certain identity, the type of player that um, fits in the Kings system. And, uh, you know, things obviously change when players and and different picks and things like that. But uh, right now we're seeing kind of a youth movement uh, with the Kings and and quite a, a prospect base being formed. Um, you know, Without going into too much detail, maybe just talk about some of those exciting prospects, the, the Quinton Byfields, Alex Turcotte's, uh, Brand Clark, and and these players that are going to be the future of the Kings organization.
0: Well, you see, we always went for talent. Uh, we always went back then. Size was maybe more important. Uh, size is becoming less and less important in the primary uh, selection criteria. But you have to to have good occupants in the game today. You have to have uh, a high compete level. There are some intangible like being coachable, being a good leader, being a good teammate, being a good person. These are things that needs to be measured. Uh, as teams are paying millions to, to kids, okay, because you pick someone first round, uh, he's paid 975000 per year for the first three years. And that's on top of bonus and all the, the sponsorship and so on. They're making so much money that life could also already be made for some of them. <laughs> so because of that, you have to think about those intangible. And then you talk about compete. And then you talk about uh, willingness to pay the price. You talk about uh, skating. As you see, skating is not necessarily the first item on the list. But you cannot afford to be skater that are below average. You cannot afford that. Uh, the game is way too quick. It's, so, it's quick and fast. Being quick and fast, it's a huge difference. Uh, we were probably f- quick teams, not necessarily fast teams. So because the puck was moving quite fast, we were okay. But at one time, the speed cut us, and we became a different type of a game, and we had to adjust. Uh, come from a 100% procession team, uh, we had to become more intelligent with using the puck and the skills of our guys.
1: So definitely, that's yeah. how
0: this, it shift.
1: Yeah, and, and you're seeing that in the players you have now. And, um, you, you know, in, in talking about the, the evolution of the game, definitely becoming more of a, a fast game, a quick game, as opposed to a, a heavy mold that we've seen in the past, um, I, I think a lot of that comes from the, the infusion of, of European hockey in that style as well. Um, As a North American scout, as you said, covering Quebec and and the Maritimes mainly here the last little while, uh, how often would you look uh, or watch games, whether it's video, et cetera, in European hockey, just to kind of understand the different prospects in the prospect pool and and maybe compare rankings and and things like that?
0: Because of the tools that are available today, uh, we have been asked to watch games uh, from Europe because they're not, They're not playing the same style of game. Yes, when you see Swedish again, uh, Finland, it's a a titan fight because they're natural competitors. Sweden and Russia, same thing. However, because their rank is larger, they're not playing the same type of game. They're playing a game of uh, uh, skills rather than being hard all the time. So, because they're developing their skill much more, because the way they are taught at a younger age, uh, if I recall, Sweden for a while were not allowed to play games before the age of 13. Uh, it has an impact. Did the kid become more skilled rather than more tactical at a younger age? Uh, it had an impact on the game, and it still has. Uh, I don't know. I didn't look at the draft. The number of sweet players from Europe, but uh, you had what? Uh, 26 Ontario player, 24 Ontario Quebec player. I don't recall. It's 18 from West or something like that. So you're looking at 225 uh, drafted player, and you have about 100 are Canadian. So the others have to come from, you have what, 40, 50 players from USA, all the others come from Europe. So they bring in their own way of playing and team adjusts for that.
1: Yeah, and it's just something that's uh, becoming a trend more and more and you're seeing teams invest in the, in the European hockey, uh, especially with the emergence of, you know, obviously uh, Sweden and Finland, these countries have been strong for, for a number of years, but now we're seeing Germany and um, you know, like Kopitar coming from a country that, that doesn't primarily produce hockey players. You're finding them just from all different areas. And, um, and I think that's a fun challenge for scouts. But this past year in particular was definitely a challenge with the, the lack of viewings and, and all these different things that uh, kind of came into play, especially uh, in North America. So um, maybe, again, just talk about the past season and, and just some of the challenges you've seen from, uh, from a scouting perspective
0: well that was very challenging because like ontario they didn't play uh what, WHL? they played what At 15, 15 between 15 to 25 games uh quebec played between four, thirty to 45 50 games uh sweden they played they were called off they played uh finland same like uh, USA they played some game nobody so the video became a very very important tools we had to watch video for entire games and we had to watch uh, special cuts for the player and try to see if they saw the game the right way if their skill were there uh, if you count uh, 25 passes and none of them reach target uh, within two feet then there's some issue with these passing abilities. so you had to, to look for these things. Uh, you had to, to look if the player were positioning themselves at the right place. You, the use of video was way much more important the last two season or the last two drafts that it was the year before. Even though we the Kings establish our own way of looking at the video in certain uh, aspect because our management people are looking at the video when we come to the final list, we have a video of 20 minutes made of that player with different things, so they can see who we are drafting. They have a good idea. Uh, you had the combine in the NHL, but there is no more combine since two seasons, two draft. Uh, so how do you uh, meet the person? How do you discover information about them? So uh, talking with former coaches, former teammates, uh, actual coaches. Uh, when I say coach, it could be the trainer. The trainer can give us some information about the players. <laughs> uh, because the, there's a line between the coach and the player, but the line is not necessarily the same with the operating staff, uh, the assistant coach, the, uh, the, the equipment manager, uh, the trainer, there are people that can give you some information about uh, the player, so it gives you a bunch of information, and from there you have to validate if it's the right information. You may have Joe Blow telling you ABC, but you meet the player and you feel that he's DEF, so okay, something is wrong in your understanding, so you have to go deeper and try to get the information. So it was. It was a good experience in gathering information, not only from social media, because social media is one thing. But I still believe that you have eye tech, eye touch, and the eye touch for me is more important than the eye tech.
1: Yeah, that's a, a great so, way to describe it, and um, definitely a, a different challenge, like you said in your last year, but. Um, again, the, the hockey world is strange in that way that it always is testing you and your abilities. So um, just the last two questions here uh, that we always ask on the podcast. The first one is about mentors. Uh, you know, you definitely met a lot of people in the game and have had a number of interactions. Are there any people in particular that you think of that have had a, a major impact on your career or have helped you uh, learn the game along the
0: way? Ah. Uh. Honest to God, I would say uh, Andre Rirel. Uh, He is is now an agent with the CAA firm. Uh, He was a coach in Drummondville before my years with them. Uh, he's always been a good consultant with that organization, and Andre has helped me a lot. Not necessarily at how to look at the game, but the inside or the intricacy of the game. Uh, It's easy to look at the ice and see who's the best player. Uh, Okay, but how do you pick someone that is probably not in the first round? What do you see in him that makes you believe in that person? So these are things that Andre helped me a lot. And former Eds coach with uh, Anaïm Alain Cheney, Uh, Always, always said positive things about my years in the juniors, Uh, always gave me some information. It was maybe a small detail here and there, but it was very helpful. And then you have Michael Fuda, former assistant GM and uh, co-director in L.A. And there are people in Hockey Canada, Uh, my years with uh, Team Quebec, uh, they always gave some Small information here and there that if you pick it, it might help you. So uh, there were Bobcock, there were uh, Guy Boucher, uh, there were all these guys that with a small detail uh, kind of helped me out.
1: Yeah, and it takes so many different people uh, along the way to kind of build up up a person, um, you know, to the NHL level. And I think that's evident in the people that you mentioned all kind of providing a, a different thing to you. Um, You know, definitely now in a position where you've had a a lot of experience in the game and and been successful at the highest level. um, If you're maybe talking to a young scout looking to just get into the game or or someone who's looking to one day scout at the NHL level. What's one piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they would be successful?
0: Uh, The first one is don't try to get into hockey if you don't have the passion. If the game is not your passion. Not your num- passion number two, your passion number one. Beside your family, your work, then don't think. Because there's so much effort to be put in that if you don't have the passion, it's not enough. Uh, it's Like is not good enough. Love is not good enough. It's passion. Uh, when you meet someone and you look at their eyes, you're going to see passion. going to see passion because their eyes will open up brighten up and name it Uh, if that's the first thing then open mind Uh, if you don't have an open mind because you think you know it all hmm, we don't know it all nobody knows it all be prepared to argue with facts emotions is important that's maybe A small issue right now with a little bit too much analytical into the game. Not enough of the passion. But that's the pendulum is going to fix itself for that. Uh, And there are courses that exist out there. How to become a scout. The first thing is you have to be in the rink. That's where you start scouting. Work with a midget AAA team, work with a junior A or a major junior team, be seen not only as you as a person, but be seen as a scout. When you are in the rink, uh, it's not because you talk a lot that you're going to be noticed. It's because you do the right thing that you're going to be noticed. So, uh be careful on social well, on social uh, uh media be careful what you post there it has an impact on you if you want to become a scout uh if you want to become involved in hockey. everything you do today has an impact positive or negative
1: yeah no, that that's the truth and uh you know that that's all great advice there tremendous advice for your young scouts and um, you know, definitely, like you said, the hard work uh, and the passion is, is so important and uh, you have to be in the ring to do the job uh, whenever possible. So uh, great advice to finish off the interview. And with that, Denis, I just want to thank you again. Um, really interested and glad that you're able to join me on the podcast. You're someone that I, I follow along with and, um, you know, glad to hear that you've had a successful tenure in NHL and that it's now come to an end. So, um thank you again and i wish you all the best here moving forward in your next step
0: i appreciate it very much ryan and uh, hope you still do what you prefer great stuff and uh, it, this is how you get involved into different uh, aspects of the game often they start at the video coach. <laughs>
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. No, yeah, uh, yeah no. I, I agree, and and it's uh it's great to to be involved and, and to meet people like yourself. So thanks again, and, and take care. Okay, you too. One thing that fans within the game, hockey minds, and players can agree upon is that when done responsibly, there's nothing better at the end of the day than a cold beer that you enjoy for both its taste and its aroma and this segment of the hockey minds podcast is brought to you by kitty viddy brewery you can visit their tap room now open seven days a week and their new retail location in st john's newfoundland at 16 harborview avenue if you're one of those people who are maybe looking for some more entertainment somewhere to sit with friends you can definitely check out their original location in kitty viddy newfoundland join the kitty viddy craft club at kitty and give them a follow on social media to keep up to date on the latest brew news. If you're not from Newfoundland and not from the East Coast and you want to get involved, definitely follow them on social media and learn more about their beer, which is great for a casual beer drinking fan and also the beer enthusiast. And stay tuned because who knows, maybe they'll find their way to get their beer to a location near you. Check out Kitty Vitty Brewery today for more information on their beer, clothing, and all things Kitty Vitty Brewery. I'd like to thank Denny for joining me on the podcast and talking about his career. As he moves out of the NHL, I'm excited for his next step, and I wish him all the best in whatever direction that may be. If you would like to get in touch with Denny to learn more about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly, or you can contact Podcasts at Outlook.com, and I can help make that connection for you. Be sure to tune in next week to hear from some more outstanding guests within the field of hockey operations. And once again, thank you everyone for supporting the podcast and be sure to give us your thoughts and opinions on the podcast on our various social media platforms. As always, stay safe and all the best.